A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that sees two movies with something in common go head-to-head to see which one does it better. And welcome to part two of this week's Avenging Altercation. So, on Monday's episode, things got pretty dark as we travelled back to 1990 for Sam Raimi's Darkman. But today... Things get even darker still as we take a look at a film that has the tragic legacy of its leading man being accidentally killed during filming. It's a shadow that looms large over director Alex Proyas' gothic superhero story. From 1994, we're talking about The Crow. At the end of this episode, we'll have a winner, but which film will it be, Darkman or The Crow? Let's find out. It's Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken. Hello, Clash Butters. Our friend T-Bird won't be joining us this evening on account of a slight case of death. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crompton. I'm Chris Tilly. So don't forget, very quickly, you can follow us on Twitter at ClashPod for all sorts of extras about each show we do, plus the clues to help guess every forthcoming episode are on there. And also, if you want a bit of a longer chat, we are on email, show at ClashPod.com. And please, just while I remember, because I always do it at the end of the show, and then someone said, do it at the start of the show, because it maybe more people will do it. But I don't know, I'm not telling you what to do. If you could rate and review us and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify or other, it is Hugely appreciated. So, as I said, part two of this week's Avenging Altercation. These were my choices. Dark Man versus The Crow. And I'll remind you of the connection. <laughs> Why make a superhero costume and there's plenty of great options in the bin? That's the basic one. <laughs> you didn't get wed and now you're dead. <laughs> That's option two. And the final option and my favourite option, dear listeners superheroes who won't go out without their face on. <laughs> yeah. So Monday, Chris took us through Darkman, and today, Victoria is going to attempt to take us through the crow without crying. 
Um, how, how are you feeling uh, about this journey we're about to embark on, Victoria? Really excited, really emotional, um, quite aroused. Um, yeah, the, the the big three for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those are her big three. Those are her big three. Thankfully, still in third place is aroused, but you know, over the course of the next hour, dear listeners, uh, it could climb. It could climb the table. It will. And when we hit number one for arousal, you'll know about it. <laughs> so we do it chronologically, as you know. Obviously, it's the crow today. Victoria, if you are ready, please take us on a journey. Oh, God. Okay. Beautiful, dead rocker Eric Draven crawls out of his grave one year after a brutal gang attack which took his life and that of his beautiful fiancée. To kill their killers, he becomes the crow, an unstoppable avenging force with the face of a clown, a guitar and quite a few snappy one-liners. Tracking down the gang on Devil's Night in Detroit, he picks them off one by one, pausing every now and then to smash out a metal riff and ruminate on just how perfect and beautiful him and his girlfriend were. With a sidelining saving street-smart kids and squeezing heroin out of the world's saddest barmaid, who's also beautiful in a kind of damaged way, he crosses paths with ultimate boss Top Dollar, who's in a sort of hilarious, incestuous, bloodlust eye cult with his beautiful (laughs) half-sister before taking him down to then be reunited with Shelley, who is so beautiful, she's now a literal angel. Pretty beautiful, then. They're so beautiful. Beautiful, yeah. <laughs> An eye cult. <laughs> if you say it, it becomes a thing. <laughs> Devil's Night is upon us again. A little party, start a bunch of fires, make a little profit. this covered off i don't really care what you when you saw it or whatever but please tell me <laughs> i watched this at the time because we didn't get many superhero movies it was quite a big deal when one came along uh i watched it that then because of what happened the sort of circumstance around it <clears> i didn't really ever feel like watching it again because it seemed like a quite a morose thing to want to watch it again or i was uncomfortable with the fact that you never quite knew when it was him and when it wasn't and that felt quite ghoulish to me mm. so while i watched it and thought it was great <clears> i haven't seen it again until this week. Okay. What about you? 
Um, mm. I got uh, into massive trouble uh, for the one and only time I played truant at school, which was to watch a pirate VHS of really? The Crow. Yeah. On Friday <laughs> okay. afternoon, we had, uh, even though we were in year 10, so we were 15 years old, for some fucking reason, we had double PE on Friday afternoon. And apparently if you just, because you could pick what sport you wanted to do, that made double PE an attractive concept. It didn't yep. to us. Yep. What was, was a pirate copy of The Crow on VHS. So uh, without really thinking it through and how obvious it might be that an entire group of friends would all not be at PE that yeah. day, we all walked to my friend Dan's house and uh, watched The Crow. And uh, we got a little bit high. And I don't really <laughs> remember watching it because we found it absolutely hilarious, <laughs> being 15 and a little bit high, to take the tagline, darker than the bat, the crow, mm-hmm. and just replace the crow with various other things. <laughs> and I swear to God, to this day, I just, I've never... It was like people would go, darker than the bat, the pineapple. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, or darker than the bat... The fridge freezer. Yeah. And the entire movie was spent coming up with variations <laughs> on that theme. So I don't remember a lot of it, but a bit it's like It's what the Chris. filmmakers wanted. <laughs> a bit like Chris. I, I do remember the reason we actually had this pirate VHS, which for the record wasn't something we did a lot, but it was because there was this mystique about this movie. We'd heard the stories. We knew that Brandon mm. Lee had died during filming and there was this confusion. Like now you don't think twice about a studio filmmakers being able to put a, a, a deceased actor back mm-hmm. into a movie with mm-hmm. the technology we have now. But back then, it was it was so confusing to go, so he's, he died before they finished, but they finished the movie? Yeah. How does it work? What bits is it? And there was talk, like Chris said, about which bits were him and which bits weren't, and the bit running across the rooftop, and apparently that wasn't him. And So he did spend... Mm. A lot of time watching this film, trying to work out what was Brandon Lee and what wasn't. And I hate to say it, I still did the same again, re-watching it this week. Mm. And this is what I mean when I say the shadow of his death looms so large over this movie for various reasons. Okay, I mean, it didn't for me. So uh, I've seen this film fucking loads of times. Mm -hmm. Um, So, But I didn't see it till um, I was working as a waitress in a... A cocktail bar. (laughs) A Victorian themed tea room slash piano cafe. He's not going to get a job in a cocktail bar. You want, Shut up! You want what? A, a Long Island? What are you taught? A pint? You can have a pint. Now I'm offended. Uh, anyway, uh, so when I was working in the Victorian themed tea room slash piano cafe, so this is like ninety six, yeah, ninety six, ninety seven. I was like, I, yeah, no, I was fifteen, um, and there was a goth girl who did the washing up, and she was really ice cool and really self assured, and I really wanted her to like me. You've told us, long time yeah. listeners will know that you've told us about this girl before yeah. who you thought didn't like you, yeah. and then suddenly you became inseparable. Mates. Yeah, because of the crow, right? So she lent it to me because she was like, "You'll really like this," and I thought that was, and I wanted to impress her. So I took it home and then I watched it and I was like, oh, I fucking love this. Mm. I love it so much. And then watched it a thousand times and then gave her the VHS back. She didn't, we we didn't obsess about Brandon Lee's death in it. And I don't think that was, it, it wasn't the draw, mm. um, which what is was? an awful thing to say. Um, the story, the intensity of the love affair, the oh, just, you know, if you're 15 and there comes along a story about... It, <laughs> I just feel like it's such a twat, but like if two people are meant to be together, nothing can keep them apart. Yeah. Yeah. Like to me, that was that was everything. That was big. 
Okay, so uh, uh, this isn't a leading question. I'm just interested. So that was 15-year-old you watching that, and I can kind of get that. Yep. What was your reaction, though, to, to watching it now as a, a, a not 15-year-old woman? I nearly put it on again immediately because I loved it so much and love it so much. For the same reason? Yeah, basically, because it's like a time machine for me, this film. Like, it awoke that part of my brain that was like... That, that values those things and wants those things and always wanted those things, of course. And it's just... And he played the fucking guitar. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, I know that bit. I mean, everyone has a little bit of a... Well, you know, not everyone. I had a particular weakness, like a lot of people did, for someone in a band. Like, that makes a lot of sense. There's the reason he's a musician. Um, As someone who was in a band in my uh, teenage years, yes, uh, people did obsess about us. <laughs> I mean, I was in a band also, so right, right, it yeah. was like... You Me know. too. <laughs> <laughs> Playing air guitar with your hockey stick is not in a band. But also, she, Ruth, who lends it to me, she then lent me the soundtrack and then I didn't like the soundtrack that much. It's not the music. I like the music, okay. but I wasn't like, oh, this is, you know, the full package. I will find you the photo so you can put it up on Twitter. <laughs> I uh, have dressed as the crow three times for Halloween. You dress as the crow all the bloody time. <laughs> I, can, I can do a good crow. I bet you can. I bet you can. But also, you know, undying love with a fucking hot dude, let's be clear. Mm. And also it's got Ernie Hudson in it. So you know, big tick for me already. And then and Michael Wincott. I loved Michael Wincott because of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Yeah. And he's fucking amazing in this. And then I spent a whole summer working in the stupid cafe, just going, I like the pretty lights. And we would crack up. We were like, we're so fucking cool. We've got this secret joke. And then I didn't watch it for years and years because I just didn't. And then watching it in the week, I was like, I could, I could just get so obsessed with it. You know, my feelings on Michael Wincott, I'm a huge Michael Wincott fan. We've had this conversation about why is Michael Wincott not in more stuff because he's mm. fucking brilliant. Right. Yeah. Alien Resurrection is ruined by the fact he dies too early. Michael Wincott is great. I, I appreciate the Wincott love. And Ernie Hudson, yeah, it's Ernie Hudson. He's it, a class act, isn't it? He's so he's good. good. He's not Congo, Ernie Hudson, but he's good. I think he's better than Congo, Ernie Hudson. Uh, that's Ernie Hudson. Ernie Hudson's favourite role of his own is Congo. Sure, so. sure. Um, he, it belongs to me, this film, so <laughs> I decide. So let's do some back. Background. Um, this was a script by John Shirley and David Scout based on a comic by James O'Barr. So it's, it's all awful. When James O'Barr was a teenager, his girlfriend was killed by a drink driver. And as a way of dealing with that, he needed a creative outlet. And so he created a comic book series, The Crow. Um, and apparently took a little bit of further inspiration from the real life account of a murder of a young couple over... Um, like a cheap engagement ring. All awful. Um, directed by Alex Proyas, who was known for music videos at that point, produced by legendary producer Ed Pressman, who now enters the Clash Pod Hall of Fame for... What do you want to guess? I'll let you tell us, Chris. I don't know. He, done, he did Robocop in Starship Troopers, we but haven't we haven't done, done them. Of them. <laughs> <laughs> so what else has he done? Street Fighter, American Psycho, this. Nice. Welcome to the Hall of Fame, Ed. I'm sure it's um, everything. Mm. So, but let's clear this off. So it stars Brandon Lee, son of Bruce. Um, he beat Christian Slater to the role. John Bon Jovi was mentioned because Eric Draven is a musician. So it kind of makes sense that you might look to a musician. But he was cast because he had the right acting chops for it, but also the physicality. And this would have been his breakthrough role because he's fucking amazing in it. Um, but as everybody knows, uh, there's a few days left to, f left to film um, and he was accidentally wounded by a defective blank and then he died in hospital and he was 28 and it's fucking awful. Um, yeah. And that was going to be kind of that, but Miramax came up with $8 million and with the support of Brandon Lee's mum and his fiance, 
Alex Proy has completed the film using very early CGI to put uh, Brandon Lee's face onto his stunt double. And there are a few that you can see the join sometimes. Um, but I think, like you say, it's ghoulish really to, to focus on it. Um, and there was the wholesale removal of a character called Skull Cowboy because the scenes that were left to film were quite intense sort of two shots and um, it was felt that the CGI just wouldn't work for those scenes. So the school cowboy had to go. Um, but we'll pick that up a little bit later on. Mm-hmm. Um, a modest hit, but obviously a massive life on video and then DVD. Although, Chris, you've got a DVD and you said it's shit. Um, uh, I didn't th- there's a good interview, which I'll talk about in a minute on there. But um, yeah, it's not, it's, not, it's not a great DVD. Yeah. But it's yours now. Thank you. <laughs> um, but it is widely regarded as an amazing performance from Brandon Lee. So we should just talk about it. Uh, very quickly. Uh, just before I forget, and before we get too deep into your passion uh-huh. uh, for this movie, uh, obviously uh, Ernie Hudson is in this. Uh, I, I've mentioned Congo, <laughs> <fucking> <laughs> and another uh, great performance in Congo alongside Ernie Hudson uh, comes uh, from Tim Curry as Harkama Hamulka, and that is this week's obligatory Tim Curry reference. Uh, done. Just while people, listeners, are skipping through that bit, if you can, I have a spare piece of paper because I need to make a fan and I don't want to leave the room. Yeah, of course. We're both your yeah. fans. <laughs> um, yeah. Also, uh, apologies to long-time listeners. Uh, I did forget to do a Tim Curry reference on last week's Massive episode. Massive apologies. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I, I just, I don't want you to think I'm sitting here letting things go. It was, it was, it was just last week, and I'm sorry, but you have then, to tweet one out. We're back. We're back in the game. Back um, in the game. I just want to briefly talk about James O'Barr. So um, there's a half hour interview with him on the disc. Uh, which is, he's an intense guy. He's quite agitated in this, but he talks about that story. He was working at a car ship dealership during the day and drawing all night, and it took him eight years to write The Crow. Yeah. Dealing with this pain, he said it was just a horrible, horrible experience. He listened to Joy Division every night. That's what influenced the writing. And it was based on the face of goth rock singer Pete Murphy. Do you know him? No. From Bauhaus. And Iggy Pop's body and physicality, which is what, Brandon Lee was going for it to lose some weight to play the role. Yeah. Um, but what I wanted to tell you, Vicky, is that he said that um, while they were developing it as a film, he met with the producer who suggested, dead seriously, Julian Temple directing a musical version of The Crow. Yeah, okay. That's fine. Starring Michael Jackson. Whoa. No. <laughs> that's not my teenage fantasy at all. That could have happened. <laughs> no, thanks. That could have happened. You and don't know what it might have turned out like. That's true. We could be sitting here and you could be gushing about Michael Jackson. Don't say gushing. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say it. You can't say it. I can't say gushing. Has gushing been taken away from us? It depends what sort you mean. I mean, if you sing. Um, don't if you, she's effusive all over that show. <laughs> um, oh, and now we've hit it. I don't mind that. It's Brand- weird, isn't it? You never know where you are. I don't mind that. You keep us on our toes. <laughs> yeah. But Brandon Lee's stunt double. Do you know him? You might have met I him. I do. Uh, Chad yeah. Stahelski. Chad Stahelski, who Stahelski. who directed John Wick and made John Wick. Oh, yeah, yeah. One, two, and three. Mm-hmm. Really? I mean, yeah. the makeup. I thought the makeup was a Piero. Um, I don't know this for a fact. That's just what I assumed when I watched it. You know, the um, Commedia dell'arte. He did not say that in this interview when he was describing where all the ideas come from. What he did say is that that's what uh, The Crow was based on those two rock singers. And Shelley was literally a translation of Beverly, his girlfriend who died. Like, Mm. that's exactly what she looked like is how she's portrayed in the comics. Yeah, that's heavy. Yeah, he said said it was was every night of those eight years writing this comic was incredibly depressing. But he felt like he had to do it. And while we're on the subject of the, the tragedy, I don't think we need to go into it here, but it is a perfect storm mm. of bad luck that led yeah. to Brandon Lee uh, 
being killed on set with um, various different types of bullets being used for various different types of effects. And uh, one got lodged in the barrel. And because the firearms handler had left for the day, the person who was left in charge of the guns hadn't realised that you were meant to check the barrel. And though a blank was fired, it did launch an empty cartridge uh, at Brandon Lee, which is how it happened. But again, uh, you can read the full details. Yeah, and let's, we should just clear off. It's not in the film, obviously. Mm. Uh, the footage was seized. It's evidence. It's not in the film. Um, so you might not, you know, when you're 15, you're probably watching it thinking it is. And, and I think a lot of people think it's the big shootout at the end. Yes. But it isn't. I did. That's what we all thought when I was I mean, really yeah. But then yeah. also, because to do a scene like that where he's shot at like a million times and nothing goes wrong and then it's strange though uh, because you do you do uh, that that was the rumor it was like he jumps on the table and yeah. when he falls back in that scene that is the moment but no yeah. that's not true so uh, should we go through it aye okay cool so welcome to grim city see what i did there um a sort of very uh stylized graphic novel style world mm. now we've got a voiceover normally fucking hate voiceovers don't mind this yeah, one Yeah, a lot of narration at the start of this film don't mind yeah. it just don't mind it just i get to decide don't mind it <laughs> kind of um, establishing the world and the rules of the world yeah which but is super quick like, super quick like, which i like, <laughs> no, like okay. and it's devil's fucking night and poor shelly's got a shitty landlord did you know what devil's night was before this i'd never heard of devil's night well it was in grace point blank thank you <laughs> that was like the film oh, we yeah. did last week was the first time i heard reference yeah. To it. And then I watched this and I was like, right, so this is a thing then in America. This is a, a real it's thing. It's specific to Detroit. Okay, so Devil's Night is the night before Halloween yeah. where people burn, burn stuff. Shit. Right. Yeah. What's the night up north? I learned about it from Shameless, where everyone goes crazy around Halloween and Friday. <laughs> hey. That's got it's got it's got a very specific name. Thank you. It's something night, like Devil's Night, where everyone's allowed to go out and cause trouble, basically. No. Mischief Night. Mischief Night. I thought so. They made a movie about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, so Devil's Night is like Mischief Night, mm. except more fires. Again, <laughs> again, you really need to define is allowed to go out. It's not like the purge. He's <laughs> <laughs> allowed, yeah. Do your worst. Expected to go out. <laughs> People do go out. People go, it's what fucking night? Mischief night. Right then. Right. <laughs> Let's have it. The government does go, doesn't go. For one night of the year, we allow the North to go fucking <laughs> mental. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Shelley and Eric, her lovely fiancé, are killed by a gang of right wrong-uns mm-hmm. uh, because they moaned about being evicted. Um, so they both die. And we cut to, we meet Ernie Hudson, Officer Albrecht, but let's come back to him. Um, one year later, it's Devil's Night again. And because. More narration, so we've got more yeah, voiceover. More, more voiceovers. Love it, yeah. Like, again, super Great voiceover, really efficient. Yeah. Explaining what's happening. It's the, best, <laughs> the best voiceover. Because two people who were meant to be together, nothing can keep them apart. Okay. So Eric crawls out of his grave, not a mark on him, gets some shoes from a bin, <laughs> and goes home for a brutal, re-en- a brutal reenactment of his own murder. Uh, and Shelley's rape and murder. Very, very nasty business. Um, it is. And I will say this at this point. I did love, at this point, but we will come back to it, at this point, I loved how quickly it got into shit. I love the fact, you know, you are less than, I think, about five minutes in when he's crawled out of his grave and is already on the path of vengeance. Yeah. There ain't a whole lot of what went before and at this point, I'm like, oh, great. That's that's what I'm here to see. I want to see this guy take down those mother... Uh, and he gets his makeup, which is very important. He paints um, his face while the cure is singing about painting your yes! face. It's all very on the nose. It's great. Great. 
Why not? Um, I'm feeling that great, great is going to be something. <laughs> you don't keep qualifying everything. <laughs> it is difficult because Mm-mm. I can't analyse it too deeply to give you a good reason well, other than, well, it's just great though, isn't it? There's <laughs> a shot here that Alex Preuss himself said he doesn't like. It's great. <laughs> it's wrong. great. You're wrong. Um, and all the flashbacks, like, I th- the, the thing I have matured in myself about are the flashbacks when I was 15. So there's one where you're establishing just what a fucking great couple Eric and Shelley were and how fucking in love they were and so they're not dead in this flashback obviously and she burns the dinner Shelley what are you fucking like are you about to say this bit is great great no I'm it's not. not it's not I know I'm just not. I'm just telling you right now these this is like route one fucking flashbacks <laughs> to sh- I mean they have a fucking shaving foam fight a shaving foam fight and she fight. has a pillow fight which no girl has ever done ever <laughs> but if you watch tell if you're an alien that landed you'd think that all girls do is throw fucking pillows at each other it's just the bit where she burns dinner and he, he, he goes oh, guess we're going out for dinner going you're, like, you're, you're like no 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 yeah but then when I was 15 I was like one day someone will love me enough to forgive me burning the dinner although I probably wouldn't burn it but let's go to a restaurant <laughs> but now I'm like I, okay it still might happen if I ever burnt a dinner if I, ever, if I ever made anything then maybe I'd burn it and they're still doing it they just love each other so much uh, okay, I've made that point. Anyway, yeah, I've, again, I'm just just to add a bit of parity to this. It, there's sickeningly sweet flashbacks, yeah, and uh, unnecessarily. Sweet. And he proposes, and they live in um, a wooden structure of some sort. What well, is the loft? And he stuffs the mm. loft full of candles, and she's not immediately like, "That's dangerous." <laughs> uh, she's like, "Yes, presumably." Um, so, well, this is so now we're establishing he's the crow. He's fucking invincible because he cuts his hand on a bit of glass and it heals up. So he's like, "Fuck." this i'm gonna go and put right some wrongs uh so then we've got to pick off the gang one by one we're starting with tintin after the crow does this amazing dead drop from a window into a bin again which is a bit of a shame that he lands in a bin again well but you was, kind of have to don't this you? was before the uh dc extended universe where people always land in a crouched position on, on their knee. fists yeah, yeah. <laughs> and unless it's going to be a mattress factory it kind of has to be a bin but it's a bit of a shame because then you just think, oh, rubbish. And then you hear her, but whatever. Yeah. Um, so he meets Tintin. We have a fight in a back alley. Eric almost loses the advantage because he's so intensely in love with Shelley that he cannot cope with Tintin winding him up about her horrible, horrible death. But obviously he wins and sticks Tintin full of knives. Great line. Victims, aren't we all? Lovely. Stab. Brilliant. Lovely. But I'm kind of racing through because I, I I like that Tintin scene. I mean, I like everything about this film, but I want to meet uh, Top Dollar, a.k.a. Michael Wincott, and his half-sister, Micah, a.k.a. Byling, and her lip liner, which actually should be credited separately because it's massive. Yeah, it's not really lip liner. It's bottom half of the face liner. <laughs> I mean, you know, as a child, she did not stay within the lines colouring in. So it's just all over the bottom half of her face. I was saving uh, that discussion for my change that I want to make to the film. The lip liner. Well, sack whoever was doing it. I don't know. It sort of works. But um, yeah, anyway, um, they are the type of people that will have a threesome and Mm. then eat some eyes, which is great. She asleep. No, I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> it is confusing. <laughs> but 
but they do. Dead, I mean, she? I'm jumping around a bit. They've got like piles of cork that are like fucking mounds. I've written, I've written a mountain in capitals. Yeah, I was trying to think of something like, like, is it like a loaf of bread? Like, what is it equivalent to? It's just a lot of cocaine. It's the Matterhorn. It is. It is. It's a lot of cocaine, and she doesn't like chairs. She prefers to lounge on a table. She does. Yeah, which is it's fine. Which is fine. It's fine, and he is. He is. He does say the wonderful line, which I went. Oh God! Actually, that's a really good line, which I'm not sure is in the graphic novel, but it might, might well be. Childhood's over from the moment you know you're going to die. So true. Fucking great line. Yeah. And he's got a snow globe and says, "Daddy gave me this." I mean, come on, or father, whatever. Dark, dark, yeah. but brilliant. Cheap. <laughs> Wanted a PlayStation. But cutting ahead, be like they do give Michael Wincott the be- unless he just grabbed the best lines. And the crow has some funny one-liners, but they're nothing compared to what Michael Wincott gets to say. I like Michael Wincott. I don't like his hair. And I don't like the fact he's in uh, riding boots. Uh, Why? I mean, it makes me... I want my villains to be kind of cool. Michael Wincott is cool yeah. in my book. I mean, perhaps not as Guy Gisborne, but certainly in Alien Resurrection, he's the coolest character. And in this, I just don't know. I don't like... You didn't like you didn't like Jack Burton in his sheepskin boots. Yeah, but that's fair enough because they're awful. Moccasins, they're moccasins. Also, I think it's because his hair is just—he yeah. wants some product on it, and that's it. It's too bouffant. It's just—he's bit... got a layer of short hair and then the long hair sort of an undercut. in it. Yeah, yeah. and that does—he should just have long hair. That said, in 1994, <clears> I had an undercut, so actually, it's fine. So actually, yeah. it's fine. Yeah, good. All right. Um, great. It's great. <clears throat> it's great. <laughs> So Eric goes to get his engagement ring from the pawn shop, which is like fair enough because they're not free. Um, burns that down, and then we start his friendship with Ernie Hudson, aka Officer Albrecht. The important part of which is that Ernie Hudson went to see Shelley in hospital because she clung on for thirty hours in so much pain. And Ernie Hudson has sort of has this as a memory, which Eric takes off him, which will become very important later. Mm-hmm. Bit daft, but whatever. Yep. Um, and now we're off to find the next gang member who's fun boy. Um, fun spending boy. fun boy, fucking fun boy. Yeah, it's kind of his kind of fun isn't great, kids. No, and he is, what he does for fun is drugs. He does <laughs> loads of drugs with Darla. Darla is Sarah's mum. Sarah is the street smart kid. She's just, got an undercut actually. Sorry, just just realised. And cocaine's bad too. Oh God! <laughs> There's a mountain of cocaine. Yay! But, but fun boys but drugs. Heroin. Fun boys drugs are bad. <laughs> <laughs> now this is what I was talking about when I said about the joins being evident with the sort of the the, the CGI and the rewrites that were done um, uh, just before the end of production. So Skull Cowboy, do you know about Skull Cowboy? Before uh, no, I... I'm hoping you're going to tell me. Skull Cowboy's in the comics and is a sort of spirit guide as well as the actual bird, the crow. So, But Skull Cowboy explains the rules to Eric about you're on a mission, you're on a quest, and if you deviate from that quest, you'll be punished. So in this scene, when Eric does deviate from his mission, which is to kill the gang members, because hmm. he, he has a word with Darla, she gets a parenting lecture from him, yeah. even though he's a corpse. Yeah. And actually child-free, which is taking the piss a little bit. Like, what do you fucking know about it? <laughs> Nonetheless. Um, so, in that, he becomes less invincible and Funboy cuts his hands with razors. 
So you'll see later, Eric is wearing electrical tape on his fingers, but it doesn't really explain why, apart from the fact it looks quite cool. Mm. And that's because he's got uh, slashes on his hands. Duct tape. That's what I use when I dress as the crow. I wrap my uh, black sweatshirt in duct tape around my body to give myself that very svelte look that the crow has. You are svelte. You don't need to do that. No, thanks very much. Um, it, it, I read about this and I don't know if it, you're talking about the same thing. I haven't read the graphic novel, but uh, I read about the graphic novel in preparation and apparently the crow hates it uh, when, I don't know if it's the same thing as Skull Cowboy, but it, the description I read online was how the crow hates it when Eric starts moping about the flat, looking at old photos yeah. and stuff. It's like, get on with your mission to yeah. kill these people. Because, jumping ahead slightly, which I know is what Judge I do. Judge crows. Um, this was going to be a franchise. And then Alex Price wasn't keen after the, you know his leading man had passed away. But at the end, it was going to be set up that because because Eric saved Sarah in the church, so there's we'll get there. But the the law point is actually not that great because he's sort of going to go back to the grave, and then Sarah gets kidnapped by Michael Wincott, mm. and he goes to save her. At which point, the school cowboy says, "You are now doomed to walk the earth forever." Setting up the franchise. Cool. I mean, uh, you know, uh, one day I think we'll do a show <laughs> where you don't do the end. <laughs> With about 40 minutes of film still to get through. Um, On that note, let's have a break. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. You just can't help yourself. You're excited. It's, it's, it's a big movie for you. Are you giving me an actual note? No, because... no. Would... <laughs> He's sitting right there. If there was a note to be given, who'd be giving it to you? And you've got to learn to take note. Oh, oh my God. Oh, is, is this part of the show? <laughs> Carry on, Victoria. Just give me a minute. Yeah. Um, 
Right. Okay. So now, don't stop looking at me. You're annoying me. Um. So, so now we've got to kill T Bird, and David Patrick Kelly in this scene is fucking amazing. Amazing. Mm. Yes. No. Yeah. yeah no. 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 Face. I, just, I thought it was interesting the fact that Top Dollar in the graphic novel is a low level person, yeah, and T Bird is actually yeah. Michael Wincott's character, the, the top dog, but yeah. they swap them around for some reason. I think it's a mistake. I think you will come to it more towards the end. No, I always say that, and then I just do it. So I'm not going to even apologise. I'm no. just going to say, yep. you T Bird should be killed after Skank. Who cares about Skank? True. And also, if Top Dollar is your big boss, then that's the person you're going for. But Eric doesn't really seem to be going for him. It's kind of a coincidence. Yep. Uh, I reckon that, his, an error. his right-hand man who's with him in the church... Um, oh, my God, I can't remember the actor's name. The guy who plays Candyman. Oh, uh, Tony Todd. Tony yes. Todd, thank you. Uh, Tony Todd. Grange in this? Or, I can't remember. He should... I think he should maybe be off earlier in the T-Bird place and then T-Bird... Because T-Bird, like you say, is He's a brilliant. bloody great villain and he should be there alongside Top Dollar in the church at mm. the end yeah. as his right-hand man. So Eric straps... Uh, T-Bird loves his car. He's called T-Bird. Straps him to his car. Um, but think about the acting from David Patrick Kelly. Think about the line. Say you saw this line in a script and it says, I know you, dot, dot, dot. I knew I knew you. Someone like me would go back through that and say, stop repeating the word no. Mm. Um, but the way he delivers it, it's just great. And then there's some quotes from Paradise Lost because why the fuck not mm-hmm. at this point? Um, so that's T-Bird gone. Uh, top dollar. He wants a big do for Devil Tonight because it's got a bit corporate. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but Eric is going to ruin it, kind of. And what happens is uh, Michael Wincott has got like every bad guy in the city round a table to ostensibly talk to them about the uh, corporate influence on Devil's Night. But obviously... It's really an excuse to get a lot of people in a room. Isn't this strange? Why what? His motivation. I'm I, I, I'm unclear. Yeah. Like what his he's he's running this club. Mm-hmm. I, I, he's clearly selling drugs of in some kind. Otherwise, he just collects cocaine. And he this plan. It's like. This city used to be scared of us. The, the fires used to be bigger. Make them bigger this year. We want bigger fires. It's like what? it's not a business model. What yeah. Do you, what, he, why do you want well, fires? He's, he's delivering the Joker's speech, though, isn't he? He's saying yes. he's saying we want disorder, chaos, anarchy. Now that's fun. Yeah. So, but as, if he's a businessman, it doesn't really make sense because the Joker is insane and he isn't doing anything for money whereas this guy is, is running a business he's called top dollar yes and so yeah it didn't really make sense to me even from the beginning why he was doing certain unless he owns water yeah what so <laughs> he doesn't what if he owned the water yeah. and then every time someone puts a fire out there's like a little well, counting he thing. should he should invest in the green cards he's so annoyed about <laughs> I want one of those Devil's Night's greeting cards. They're selling fucking greetings cards, yeah. I thought he was going to say to the room full of bad guys, so to make a bigger splash, you should go out into other towns. That would be an easy fix. Like, call your henchmen, go out further. Go out and do what, though? Burn other towns? Yeah. For for what reason? Well, it's like Chris said, it doesn't make sense, because chaos, but then he is is in business. Yeah, I mean, he lives above a nightclub that he clearly runs. He does run it. Maybe. I do. I do. I love a movie where the crime boss lives in a big open plan office <laughs> above <laughs> the nightclub he runs, which you would never do. You'd live far away from that fucking noise. Yes. But because it's really cool to go upstairs yeah, where I, he works I, and lives. I, I did want to ask you guys what you thought of that um, nightclub. 
because it just just covers like that make me laugh like a woman singing as sparks fly well, it's not above just... her because there's a bloke welding. Welding, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I've never been to a nightclub that's had a welder in there, but no. films, there's a lot of them. There is, isn't there? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not a bad nightclub scene because a lot of films, I, I think you can go through movies and you can judge the quality of a movie by how well they portray a nightclub scene because it's one yes. thing that so many films get wrong. There's either too much space between the dancers, uh, you know, it's too light. Like, to get a good nightclub scene, and I think it's not a bad one. I'll tell you who does nightclub scenes really well. Michael fucking Bay. Michael Bay. I knew, Michael I knew Bay. we were coming back to the yeah, base. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he does. Um, what was I going to say? What was I going to say? Brandon Lee turns up. Brandon Lee turns up. Well, all the crime guys are sitting around and the just, bloody table. Just that cool thing of like, I'm going to sit on the table rather than stand up. Mm-hmm. I'm going to hop onto the table. and But then a mistake. Fine, can see Skank and says, I just want him. And it's like, you, it's like, who cares about him? Like, he's a good actor and he's a good character. But even in the brutal reenactment, he doesn't mm-hmm. seem to have more to do with it than, well, he doesn't have more to do with it than T-Bird, who's the first person you see. So it's just a bit of a flaw in the well, piercing. Well, no, he, he is involved in the rape and murder yeah. of Shelley. And yeah. that is the only thing Eric Draven is here to do, is to kill all of them. So even though he is, because of the way he's portrayed as a bit of an idiot, uh, a lesser villain, he is still the last one on the list, which leads me on to my problem. At this point, Michael Wincott does not need to insert himself into this process. Eric Draven That's is true. not yeah. after him. He, Michael Wincott could easily step aside here and not be the final villain. And the fact that the, he is the final villain because he chooses to be the final villain and isn't on Eric Draven's hit list in the first place is a little bit... Yeah, it's a mistake. Yeah. yeah. He wants, maybe he wants Eric's lovely eyes. He well, does. his half-sister has got her eye on them, hasn't she? She definitely does. There's she some, does. There's some she pecking, knows that there's the, some pecking coming. The, you can have his power. The power resides in the eyes. So true. Didn't understand that, really. I didn't understand the bit where... It, 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 so are we saying that if she got his eyes, they'd have the power? Yeah, I think so. That's that. The crow needs to write that down. <laughs> and she, and Because also, Eric can see through the crow's eyes. Yes. There's a lot of eye stuff that's not clear to me. Mm. Yeah. Uh, um, Ironic. <laughs> I couldn't see it. <laughs> That's better. So you work the joke. Um, <laughs> writing is rewriting. But, <laughs> don't say it like that when it's true. No, it's a good note. Thank you. Thought, you I think Vicky thought you said that because yeah, I did Alex your voice. That. <laughs> you, didn't do, you didn't do my voice. That's not how I sound. Writing is rewriting. <laughs> anyway, Bai Ling realises you kill the crow, you kill the man. So there's a little bit of tension or upping the stakes because it's like the jig is up a little bit. Like someone has realised where his power resides. Now, this is the bit that even with a million times of watching it, I can't quite forgive this. So Eric has completed his mission effectively and is going to go back to his grave and is sort of lying on the grave. Mm. But it's a happy moment in some ways because he's done what he came to do. But in terms of the structure, this really is the low point because after this, we're into an Act 3 action piece. Mm. So it's not much of a low point because he did everything. And it's telegraphed that it's meant to be sad because he sits on a rooftop, smashes out a riff. My problem is something slightly different, which is that the movie starts on Devil's Night and there is clearly a dawn halfway through this movie. This movie does not take place over one night and yet at the end... Top Dollar is still talking about it as though it's Devil's Night, despite the fact oh, yeah. night has fallen 
and morning has broken and no one goes, it's actually fucking Halloween. They still go, it's Devil's Night. It's like, do you not remember when the alarm clock went off and it's a brand new fucking day? So this movie doesn't, like, it's got its chronology wrong. Like, it actually pretends it's still Devil's Night the following day. Okay, but uh, it can't rain all the time. So (laughs) that makes up for lots and lots and lots of things. It's so true. You can't just say it can't rain all the time. Do you know what? I'd forgotten about it can't rain all the time. And me and Ruth thought that was the most profound uh, arousing thing in the world. Um, And I'd forgotten all about it. And then the minute it started and they said it can't rain all the time, I was in bits at home, in pieces. Why? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. It's like saying it's a bit hot today. To be honest, I think... I don't know who the audience for the comic book was, but it hits a lot of emotional points for teenage girls. It just does. Right. Like It's because he's so beautiful and he looks so damn sexy and he's a tortured soul. And yeah. uh, any 15-year-old girl worth their salt loves a tortured soul. We do. Yeah. Why is that? The comic, the comic was for goths and miserable I teens. I told you before about it, my theory. No, actually, that's not my theory. There's a brilliant podcast called Where Should We Begin? The theory about why girls like bad boys, right? Is because they they when they come to you they only want one thing more or less and so they you can take care of your own needs because they've taken care of theirs they don't need any mothering nurturing whatever so when they come to you you know what you you can look after yourself take care of your own needs but why do we like a tortured soul because it's a different thing but it's 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 like fucking catnip surely it is because you're weak. <laughs> Oh, is that it? No, is it not? I, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm asking this as a question, not making a statement, oh, Victoria. No. Is it not? Is it not that a, a maternal instinct in in, in a woman where it, a guy you go, I, I can fix him, mm. and there is that sort of desire to go because it's almost a, a test of your ability. Maybe not even just as a mother, but as a human to go. This guy's come to me. I think he's broken. I reckon it's a challenge, and I I'm think, accepting this it. Could I'll be fix him. My own. Uh, blind spot, but that's not sex. There's nothing to do with sex there, and that's an important part of this film for me right. at 15 and now. Um, because if you're mothering someone, you're not sleeping with them. So, and the, those emotions are completely separate, obviously. Yeah. So you cannot be sexually attracted to someone that you need to mother. True. Oh, not cannot. Sorry, yeah. that's really strong. I don't think that's possible for me. Yeah, so, no, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Very confusing. It is really confusing, but it's just the tortured soul thing is really alluring. It's very um, complicated. But is it because he's a tortured soul in this, but there is... Uh, he's a tortured soul because he's in love with someone else, so you can observe without any desire to get involved with him because the reason That's he's attractive is yeah. because he's tortured about his love for another woman. Another woman, So yeah. you're, you're merely a voyeur to his Yeah, that, that kind of works. And also, if you've ever been out with anyone who actually genuinely was tortured, that's fucking boring. Oh, my God. I mean... Within the film, great. Yeah. If, if you met Eric Draven, you'd be like, oh my God. Sort it out. Have a drink. Uh, I want to go to a restaurant, Eric. <laughs> let's fucking watch a Pixar movie. <laughs> yeah. Get off me. Finding Nemo is great. The mum dies in what scene? Stop I'm staring at me. Stop staring at me all the time. I don't like it. Uh, anyway, so Sarah is kidnapped, taking us to the church. Two best lines in the film. Michael Wincott says, what's this an impression of or something? Corko, bang, fuck, I'm dead. Brilliant. And for a ghost, you bleed just fine, which is a fucking brilliant line uh, because they kill the crow, kind of, but it comes back to life and so Eric can be hurt. Ernie Hudson turns up to help but gets shot more or less immediately, <laughs> which I laughed at that this time round because it's almost comical. He's like, you stay behind me and you, you whatever. And then it's like, bang, oh, shit, that was useless. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think you're giving a lot of lines. 
a pass on this. I think really, uh, yeah, a little bit. I think you may. And you seem to be adding swear words into lines that aren't there. <laughs> Am I? Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah, that's true. It, I've, got, it, I've got one of those written down. Fucking rains all the fucking time. <laughs> oh, I don't mean to. Um, so, but what lines am I giving a pass to? You don't like for a ghost, you bleed just fine. It's all right. It's really... I don't think... I think if you took that and put it in a different movie, you would not be sitting there going, for oh, get, it's brilliant. It's great. Right. Check that line. Yeah, I, think it's, I think it's all context because you love this movie. Yeah. Um, a fight on a rooftop, classic. And Eric kills Top Dollar... He then is sort of dead over a gargoyle and his blood runs through the gargoyle's mouth. That's awesome. Back to the grave. Here's Shelley. She's an angel. Done. <laughs> Done just, to, just to go back to... Um, oh, more narration and voice. We've got voiceover. <laughs> just to, I hadn't had enough of that. So. Good, good voice. Sarah's over. back doing more. Good voiceover. Good voiceover. I know. It's great. It's great. Now, um, uh, the humour. There's a, there's, a, there's a nice touch in that bit where for a ghost you bleed just fine. And the moment that Ernie Hudson, and it's the humour that really works for me in a lot of these moments in this movie where Ernie Hudson goes, I thought you were invincible. And Brandon Lee goes, I was, I'm not anymore. (laughs) And it's little touches like that. The little lightness in the dark that really helped this movie and his performance. Yes, I agree. Um, well, yeah. he, he, I mean, I list, there's a there's a podcast on the ne- Nerdist Network about Bruce Lee, and they they dedicate an episode to Brandon and his sister Shannon hosted it, and she was saying that she's she's almost sad that this was his defining role because of what happy fun dude he was in real life, mm. and he's been remembered as this gothic tragic romantic character, whereas actually he was just a real laugh, and so those I think a lot of that those funny lighter moments are him. Injecting himself I, into proceedings. I do too. And I actually, on this watch uh, through, that's what I took from it. What I took from it mm. was uh, an actor very much coming into their own and with a really deft comic touch as well. I thought it was great. Um, did you mention how fucking awesome Michael Wincott's death is, by the way? Fucking gargoyle through the mouth. <laughs> I just said it about uh, 20 seconds ago. Almost was... word for word what you just okay, said. Good. It's, okay, it's fine if you're not listening. If not... Somewhere else you'd rather be. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Sorry. It's just... Do you not think it's risky to say yeah. to me, I don't know if you've mentioned it. Oh, that's why I'm checking, because I was obviously there's a lot of thoughts in my head. All right, head. I don't want another Romeo and Michelle, guys. Come on. Anyway, I don't have any more. Um, that's it for me, so we can do the bits unless there's anything, or if Alex hasn't been listening and just wants to repeat some more stuff. No, uh, I, I was going to say there's a, there's a great bit where um, he goes for a ghost. You bleed just fine. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> I love that too. It's a great line. It's great. It and just you know needs what? a fuck in it and it would be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> fuck for a ghost. You bleed just fine. Yeah, and that line, you could put that in any movie yep. and it would be a great line. It's not in context. But better if it's narration. <laughs> <laughs> when I'd forgotten about the voiceover and when it came, I was like, oh, for fuck's yeah. sake. Like, yeah. I'm going to have to defend it. Having no, you, said you Came out, you came out all guns blazing, to be fair. I know. It's all good. We're all friends here. Uh, so, is that it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, what, uh, Alex, what was your best scene? Best scene is uh, what I was just touching on, which is how funny Brandon Lee is in this movie. And it's at uh, uh, one moment, and it, I think it, it, it's, it defines just the best elements of The Crow, which is why I don't think... I don't watch this movie and go, it's a shame that he's remembered for such a tragic character. Obviously, it's a tragic story. But to take, I guess, part of like uh, the, the story out of it and just look at his performance and what he was going to become, 
he was just so funny. And it's the moment where he's killed all the bad guys in the big shootout in Top Dollar's office and the police have come in and he's standing against the window and the police officer goes, freeze! And he just does this little jig. He does, doesn't he? He just like goes the, the side of the windows. It's so it's weird. It's like a musical number. It's yeah. like, and exit stage left. Yeah. And he does just this jig, almost jazz hands off to the side. And I was like, that's fucking brilliant. He's brilliant. And I know that's him who's gone, that's how I'm going to leave this scene. And it's the best. And that's, that's why it's such a tragedy. Because to add that element of humour to such a, a morose movie at times is the perfect, perfect thing to do. What about you? Uh, I liked, and it's only brief, maybe I could have done with more of it, but that final showdown on the roof in the rain, I just loved the aesthetic of it. I thought it looked awesome. I think it sums up what's so cool about the film is that look, and so I like that. Uh, I like the shootout in Top Dollar's little bijou apartment above his um, scary nightclub. I just think it's amazing. It's a cool shootout. Yeah. It is a cool shootout, and, you know, people talk about it being a forerunner to... The Matrix in terms of yeah. the style, and yeah. I agree. Or at least John Wick. Uh, your most valuable whatever, Chris. Are you going to go for Michael Wincott? <laughs> I'm not going to go for Michael uh, Wincott. Do you want to go for Michael uh, Wincott? Uh, we've said it. We've talked to him a lot. Um, I'm going to go for the cinematographer and the production designer because, again, I'll say that I feel like the visuals are the key to this film. And I've uh, written Sorry. down their names. Ugh. Darius Wolski and Alex McDowell. Uh, yeah, I think they did an amazing job. So you could say I'm again picking the colours. <laughs> <laughs> um, mine's Brandon Lee. My MV, whatever, is uh, Brandon Lee. Uh, I think he's great. And I think, uh, obviously, um, it's a shame uh, that this is his final movie because there are glimpses here of what a fantastic actor he was going to become. So, Brandon um, Lee. Okay, that's fair. Mine is Michael Wincott. I think it's a, a just a class performance. Agreed, yep. Uh, one change, Alex? I wanted to see... You know, I said at the start, I love how quickly it gets into it. I, I think I wanted to see a little more of their real life, the relationship between him and Shelley. I just remember that they, they run through a field together. I can imagine. Is there a scene? And he lifts her in the air like, Shelley! So there you go. The... What else could we add to that? What are the other classic cliches? She burns the dinner because she's a ditz. Mm. Um, they have meaningful sex where they look in each other's eyes constantly. Weird. Splashing water. <laughs> I guess we've got that with shaving foam, but <laughs> yeah. maybe in the sea or a swimming pool. Splashing oh, no, water at one another. He teaches her to do something. Play the, pool, the reach archery. Around, the reach, reach around. around. <laughs> Sorry, carry on. He's, you don't see him play her any hangman's joke, do you? Or Oh, that would be good if we saw her at his gig and she was like, that's my boyfriend. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, their eyes, their eyes lock while he's. Well, oh, and he's like, I wrote this for you, Shelley. <laughs> or what you'd need is loads of other sort of young girls in front of her, like jumping up and down, going, "Look at yeah, me, look at the me!" Camera is like, but his eyes Literally just on Shelley, and she's just standing there, lit separately. Yeah, and with a halo. Mm -hmm. Yes, perfect. So, based on exactly what we're just talking about, uh, even those moments wouldn't have quite done enough for me. I needed to see this relationship that he had with Shelley. Um, which is going to, I'm bleeding into the verdict here, but I'm going to say it now because for me, this film suffers uh, 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 its style over substance. Oh my God, are you not going to pick this film? 
Uh, no, I didn't say that, but I'm I'm getting to my verdict. Okay. Uh, it's a, it's a little bit style of a substance, to substance, and I'll, I'll quite simply tell you for why. Be, and I, I'm a bit confused because where I read it, I thought that part of the things he he, he passed away with three days uh, left to film on this movie, and I thought a lot of what they were doing were flashback stuff about his relationship with Shelley. I might be wrong, and I wondered whether there was going to be a little more development of that relationship, and unfortunately, they couldn't do that because. I need to, I need to see that relationship. If I'm watching a movie about a guy looking for revenge uh, because uh, the death of uh, his wife to be and himself, I, I need to understand that relationship and I need to see it in the film. And shaving foam fights don't do it for me, <laughs> so I'm just left a, a little bit with a big hole about who Shelley is and this relationship and what he meant to her because I never get to see them apart from some soft focus montages. So that's a bit of a problem for me. So I'd actually have, at the start, um, a bit more, like a 15-minute, tw- a, a, a this is Shelley and Eric's life before this horrible thing happens. They could be doing like the housing petition together, but her pen runs out and he reaches around and he's like, oh, let me. And then they reach write. Around. Wait, yeah. he's teaching her how to write. <laughs> that seems that <laughs> seems offensive. Yeah, that's a writing reach around. That's weird, isn't it? Yeah. Oh dear! What about so, you? Have you done your change? No, no. sorry, I'm losing. Oh, you're not trade. listening. How no, rude! Sorry. <laughs> How bloody rude! <laughs> sorry. Um, can, do you not think it's a bit rude to ask him if he's done his change <laughs> or not? Are you thinking about something else, kiddo? <laughs> do you see yourself as Sarah or Shelley in I, this well, story? Well, neither. That's the thing. There was okay. no, there was no one Good. to identify with because Shelley does fucking nothing apart from get Good. killed, and Sarah isn't. You know. Kids in films is difficult. They're I'm getting, always annoying. I'm good because I'm getting rid of Sarah right now. <laughs> um, yeah, I do it. It's annoying that films of this era felt like you needed a kid to be knocking around with the hero. Yeah. And I think maybe it was for younger audiences to have a way in. But, you know, Dick Tracy did it as well in quite an annoying way. And- Not just of this era. I mean, you just look at Alex Proyas's uh, I, Robot. What yeah. is Shia LaBeouf doing yeah. in that movie? He does not need to be there. Well, Even Constantine, Shia LaBeouf again, does not need to be I, there. I've had Constantine written down, I was going to say that. but um, So, yeah, get rid of Sarah. <laughs> okay. Uh, my change is, I mean, I don't really like a voiceover, so I think you could, you could get rid of the voiceover. But I am saying that and it pains me because I, no. I do like it, but I know it's not quality and it's I know not. it's not. Uh, and I know it's a cop out. It's nice. It's nice but, to admit when you're wrong. Uh, yeah, I can just about manage that. <laughs> so that's my change. So I quite like the voiceover. I've only been yeah, devil's but you advocate. Like a voiceover. I, I don't. I like one voiceover. I didn't like it here because it was coming from a slightly annoying little girl, which just feels out of place to me in this very you know grown-up adult world. I think I know now what I secretly wanted, which does not work at all. But I wanted a sidekick so that I would have someone to implant myself onto to be a woman yeah. that he then had sex with but then that sort of negates the whole thing like yeah. if he cheats on his dead fiance within about 90 minutes that doesn't work but i wanted to see, to see more of a romantic spark and obviously that's not going to happen so but that's just wish fulfillment well there we go yeah we done with the crow yes any more for any more right then dark man was monday we just went through the crow <sighs> let's see how this goes it's time <laughs> for the verdict you want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! So, I pick the movies, which means I get to go last. Um, I, I guess I'll start with the most obvious. Victoria, <laughs> of Darkman and the Crow, which movie gets your vote this week? There's nothing that can that can beat this film. If you Honestly, if you were like, what do you prefer, Ghostbusters or the Crow? If you caught me at the right moment... 
Mm. I mean, no, but do you know what I mean? Like that's how that's how highly I regard it, okay. which I know is ridiculous. Yeah, because uh, Ghostbusters is your favorite film. It's my favorite film. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, do you know what? I feel sick. I just said that. Oh, yeah. That's not right at all. You don't anyway, mean that. I think. I don't. I think this is this is what I'm saying. You let if you're a, you bleed just fine for a ghost. You, you're letting <laughs> things get a pass that don't deserve a pass. But all right. Yep, it's the crow. It's the crow. Chris Thrilly, tell me. I'll start by saying I think these are both very silly films. <laughs> um, I think The Crow, I think the tone is silly. I think the music's a bit silly. I think the names are silly. I think the character's a bit silly. Um, and yet because of not being able to separate it from the tragedy that happened, I find it hard to laugh at it when it is being funny. I think it looks great, but also I think it looks a bit like a new metal music video. Cool. So I'm conflicted there. Um, and I think for Dark Man, I think Dark Man's a bit of a mess, really. I, as I said, the way the characters and the storylines connect is all weirdly arbitrary. And as we said, 12, 12 goes at that script and it's still sort of all over the place um, is problematic. But I think Dark Man no. goes on a much more interesting journey because he actually goes on a journey. And because I, because I don't feel major sadness and discomfort watching it, I'm going for Dark Man. OK, I'm going to stare at you. You can stare at I'm me. I'm going to stare right at you. <laughs> so I have um, a few of the same points as Chris. I think The Crow is a beautiful looking film and I think it's an incredible central performance from Brandon Lee. It's, it is, like in terms of depth, a, a 90 minute music video. I, I, it doesn't get me at the start. It looks great. I don't understand enough about the villains. I don't understand enough about his relationship with Shelley to have it have an emotional effect on me um, outside the tragedy behind the film. I needed something more from it. As I said a moment ago, I needed a story that involved Eric and Shelley before the tragedy. That said, Darkman is a bit ridiculous, but it does give me 15 minutes of Liam Neeson and Francis McDormand at the start. So, and I'm... Darkman is a more nourishing film experience. Don't do this. You don't, do, you don't do. have to do this. And I didn't think I was going to... Don't then. But I just... I, I prefer Darkman. Nobbeds. In, in, Nobbeds. In all honesty, and I'm not just being contrary, I just enjoyed it more. Like At the end of it, I went, I've watched a movie <laughs> as opposed to I've watched a long music video. Right. Um, and listen, so, I've got to shoot off. Yeah. Uh, so I quit. Um, <laughs> fuck it. What is the fucking point? I'm sorry, V. You're not I, sorry. I can only be honest to myself. Dark Man is my vote. Dark Man wins this week. Oh my god, this is the tension in this room. <laughs> um, but I'm very, I'm very pleased. I was worried there that a member of the pod was going to feel pressurised into making a decision, and I'm very pleased that didn't happen. <laughs> that could have been the actual end of it all. I'm not going to meet your eyes for the rest of the show. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to look at some notes, even though I've race, them all. Race to the end now. Race to the end. So Get here we go. Here. Uh, the winner this week, uh, beating another movie, is Dark Man. <laughs> Dark Man is the winner on this week's show thank you very much for listening uh, Christopher tell us what are we doing on next week's shows uh, Vicky I won't be here so <laughs> but go on you have the crow too yay <laughs> city of angels uh, I had that soundtrack uh, Vicky I'm giving you Bill and Ted's excellent adventure and Alex I'm giving you Bill and Ted's bogus journey very quickly 
Do you really love one of these movies, Victoria? No, I, I like them both. <laughs> okay, great. Cool, 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 cool. So it's just it's going to be fine next week. Then we well, can just we it shall doesn't see. Matter, doesn't matter who wins. Uh, right then, thank you very much for listening. Uh, I'm going to run. Bye bye. Uh, rate and reviewers. <laughs> see ya. <laughs> This was a Stakhanov production and part of the ACAST Creative Network. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.